2: Hey guys, Steve here. You are listening to one of our original 26 episodes. If you've listened to any of our new episodes, you're going to notice that we're sounding a little different in
3: these ones. Yeah, there's a reason for that. There is. They've been remastered. They have been remastered. Because they had a really annoying hum.
1: Yeah, I mean, a huge thanks to uh, listener James for doing almost all of the legwork on this yes, thing. Yeah. You'll also notice if you had listened to what we're calling the Lost 26 episodes before and you're re-listening now, the music and sound effects are gone. Yes, yeah.
2: we've, we've gone back to straight audio. So be warned, we sound a little different today than we do in what you're about to listen to.
1: Yeah. Enjoy. Uh, bye. Okay,
3: Bye. Thinking Sideways. Does not compute. You
1: never know. What?
3: stories of things we simply don't know the answer to?
2: Well, hi there, and welcome back to Thinking Sideways, the podcast. I am Steve. I'm Devin. I'm Joe, and we, as always, are going to get into a story that doesn't quite have an answer and try and figure it out because Joe loves to solve them.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll solve this one for sure. Thanks. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, let's uh, let's hop right into the story. I'm not going to tell you what it is quite yet. I want to set the stage. So it's 1950, mm-hmm. and we're in Germany. I better stop talking then, huh? No, no, no. no it's okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's a nice sunny day. It's May. And wait, do you hear that? Um,
1: Yeah, what was that?
2: That is a U.S. airplane Hmm. flying over the field that we're standing in.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
2: Because we're in Germany in the 1950s, which means Mm -hmm. that it is now an occupied territory.
1: Yeah, pretty normal.
2: Yeah. Yeah, pretty normal, which makes sense. Uh, well... There's a problem, though, with this, and that is what happens supposedly within days of the this particular plane or any plane flying over this field, and that is the appearance of the potato beetle. Ah,
3: not just any potato beetle. The
2: The Colorado. The Colorado Colorado potato beetle. beetle. You are Uh absolutely correct, sir. Yeah. So here's what the story is, ladies and gentlemen. According to the accounts, and this is one specifically, it was the 23rd of May 1950, and a farmer by the name of Max Troger had noticed American planes flying over his fields. He's in East Germany. And the next morning. According again to his account, he was shocked to discover that his fields of potatoes were
3: full of potato beetles. Not just any potato beetle.
2: The Colorado potato beetle. (laughs) Which, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know anything about the beetle, and we'll get into some details on it, but it's pretty devastating for potato crops.
1: So this is like the German-Irish potato famine. Essentially, yes.
2: Uh, If you actually try and put that in, the the Irish potato famine always comes up. Of course. Uh, Which makes this difficult unless you know what to look for. Right. Mm. Uh, So here's what's going on is after the these planes go by and all these farmers are reporting that there's Colorado potato beetles all over their fields, the East German press goes nuts with it. The politicians are making speeches. They are accusing the U.S. of having dropped all of these potato beetles on their crops. And Uh, I'm guessing that this propaganda campaign that Came from it is that they're saying, well, the Americans are trying to cut down our food supply and therefore take us over, those imperialists.
3: Mm, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure the people of East Germany were really, really scared about the possibility that, you know, we'd boot the Russians
2: out.
3: (laughs) In hindsight, yeah, not not, not such a problem.
2: Uh, Well, like I said, there was a giant propaganda campaign that came up from this. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were posters, little leaflets, bits on the radio, speeches, as I said. They were going crazy Talking about this sudden infestation and how it was the fault of the Americans, they actually nicknamed the uh, the Colorado potato beetle "Amakoffer," which I uh, understand translated is "Yankee beetle." Is that correct? Yes, uh,
3: yes, that's correct.
2: So what happens is children are at the end of their school days not allowed to just go home. They actually have to go out to the fields and go through the crops and try and pick up as many... Potato beetles is
1: possible. That's I mean, the real tragedy from this, right? Is that all the kids these... were losing homework time. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's that's exactly what. It was. I'm sure <laughs> they were really thrilled to be. That out was there. The, it. Was
1: the long game of Americans, <laughs> right? We were trying to make the Germans stupid by like ah. just taking out all the homework time for. Yes. young Germans. yeah, yeah.
3: That's, that's it. exactly um, it.
1: There
2: are accounts that these children, some didn't really care, some believed it. Girls evidently were really squeamish about touching these beetles, and from the accounts they would get 20 to 25 beetles an afternoon mm-hmm. each and then put them into glass bottles and they'd be shipped off to be destroyed i you know. read
1: uh one account it was an interview with a boy who had been going out to the fields and he said yeah i don't really believe that the americans are dropping the these but it, you know we have to pick them off anyways yeah,
3: yeah, mom and dad still, said to do yeah. it so i well, gotta do it yeah you know, it's like you know if you're living in a country that doesn't have any pesticides to speak of you know then you got to do something if you want to eat yeah right? well, yeah yeah can't be having your crops destroyed.
2: No, no, because you've got you to gotta understand the potato evidently was a main crop for the German people. That was a main food source. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, especially so, right after World War II. Exactly. So yeah. Was, yeah. Exactly.
2: Again, you got to remember what, what the era is. There's, mm-hmm. you know, things have been destroyed. It's still kind of hard times
3: so for a lot of people. Hard that, times. Right you're
2: trying to get back on your feet. You, you grow whatever
3: food you can. And
1: potatoes grow, and they are hearty.
3: They are a hearty little thing. And you can make <laughs> vodka out of them, too. This isn't <laughs>
1: Russia,
3: Joe. Yeah. That one might be one reason why there was such a scarcity of potatoes, because there's a quote here from somebody who recalls uh, sharing a single potato between Herself and her mom and dad for breakfast. Mm. So it probably wasn't just a potato beetle, it was probably was a Soviets carting away half the potato crop to make yeah. vodka back in the home.
2: Yeah, maybe. Yeah.
3: Well, what comes out
2: of this is that nearly half of the crops for in nineteen fifty were destroyed wow. in East Germany by the Colorado potato beetle. That's substantial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a huge Reduction in available food crops, yeah, which is not a good thing,
1: especially if it's a staple.
2: Yes, yeah, it's it's the main, it's one of those main staples. Uh, So, like I said in the beginning, the uh, the Germans were blaming the U.S. for dropping the beetles on them. Mm. The U.S., of course, was saying, "No, we didn't do it. It wasn't us." Uh, And we're going to get into the theories about what's going on, and you know, why is this invasive species suddenly there? Mm-hmm.
3: It actually had been in Europe before.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. You know. And we're, we're going to go there. But I do want to talk about the beetle a little bit. Because, uh, okay, we hear about this beetle. You don't really have a lot of context. So I just want to give some background on this particular little bug. So the Colorado potato beetle is very prolific. A female can lay about 800 eggs no. in a season. Oh, no. Yes.
1: Insect birth things freak me out. As a woman, yeah. I just have to say.
2: Um, so their eggs are only about a millimeter. They're really small. They lay them in, I guess, bunches of 20 to 30 at a time on the bottom of leaves. So they're not easy to spot because mm-hmm. uh, if you've ever seen a potato leaf, they, they have lots. They're just covered in them. So you can imagine every one of those covered in eggs on the bottom.
3: That's a lot of leaves to turn over. Yeah,
2: that's a lot of leaves to turn over. Yeah. And basically what happens is they hatch and those hatchlings immediately begin to eat the leaves, they do what's called skeletonizing, where they basically eat all of the leafy matter and you just get left
3: with the veins of the leaf. (laughs) That reminds me of about every other shrub in my yard. (laughs) (laughs) And
2: uh, then eventually they they go on to, it through their life cycle, they pupate, they turn into a larva which goes underground then they come back up and they're an adult at which point they're eating again. And they're eating the leaves again.
3: And laying eggs. And
2: laying eggs. And the hard part about the larva is they will do What's called diapause, I believe is how you pronounce it, mm-hmm. which basically means if the conditions aren't right, they'll just stay essentially in hibernation oh, in the ground, yeah. and then wait till it's nice to come out again.
1: That's the worst. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking,
2: oh, it's a cold snap, yay, they're all gonna go away. No, they they just come right back.
1: I feel like mosquitoes do that too.
2: Yeah, uh, but anyway, the uh, the Colorado potato beetle can go through up to three generations in a season.
3: Ugh. Yeah.
2: So that is a lot of little bugs.
3: Yeah. Well, I, th- I certainly think that if uh, it's possible that we rounded them all up from over here and dumped them over there just to get rid of them. Sounds like <laughs> fair. Uh, yeah. Well, that could be. Yeah.
1: Well, so- that's, I mean, that's, that's. The multiplication of those is just, like, it's amazing. It's astounding, especially if you don't have anything that's really eating them, no Mm -hmm. natural predators in that area, no pesticides. If the best you can do is school-aged kids picking off the beetles they can see, you know, you think of, you know, you drop 800, Mm -hmm. right? And each, you know, 400 of those are females, and they each lay 800 eggs every, what, month?
2: Essentially,
1: I can't do that math in my head. I'm no, I can't either. But that's—I mean, you know—easily millions, really, really soon. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and
2: they're very recognizable. They—they're a very distinct little beetle. They—they're, I believe, also referred to as the ten stripe beetle. Oh, because they have—they're kind of yellowish orange, and they have ten brown stripes across their
1: back. Okay, so yeah, actually, yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, they're about
3: They're yeah. kind of decent size. They're about a millimeter long, or excuse me, a centimeter yeah, long. Yeah. yeah, they're not a little bug at no, all. No, yeah.
2: They've got some size to them. Um, and here's just here's a couple of facts. So we talked about how many they can, uh, the eggs that a female will lay. Mm-hmm. A single larva, and again, this is just hammering the point home on how much they can devour, will eat 40 square centimeters of a leaf, of leaf In a day.
1: That's Mm. okay.
2: That's a lot of area to be devouring. Yeah. Yeah. And the other hard part about the beetle is it is extremely resistant to insecticides.
1: Oh. Mm. Meaning
2: that they're they're very good at adapting. So for a couple of generations or a couple of years, you might wipe them out with one poison, but then they're going to... They're gonna adapt to it and suddenly you gotta find something else. Do
1: they only eat the one the potato plant? The one kind of potato plant?
2: No, they will eat potatoes, cucumbers, there's something else that I can't think of at the moment. They do several crops, but their favorite is potatoes.
3: So it's not yeah. like
1: you could just rip out this one breed of potato and plant a different kind.
3: It's yeah, when you think about it, it's not the potatoes they're eating, it's the leaves. That's you true. Yeah. so yeah, it would be pretty hard to switch plants like that. Yeah. But I think I think they actually had some success with DDT in and unfortunately, a DDT resistance strain of the beetle turned up. Yep, and
2: as so, yeah. as it
3: always does. Yeah, nature's kind of funny that way.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and let's hop into some theories okay. as yeah, to uh, how the beetle got there or what the deal is. So we will go ahead and take the bull by the horns, and we will take on the popular theory, which is. That the U.S. did it. Mm. The potato beetle is known to have made its way into Germany in the past. Uh, I believe it was in the late 1800s there was an outbreak... But it was contained, they were all destroyed. But the potato beetle was in England, they were known to be in parts of France. So it wasn't as if it had never been on the European continent. Mm -hmm. But if we're gonna go ahead and say that the US did it, here is some of the facts.
1: We're saying the US intentionally did it. Mm -hmm. Yes, that that it was an intentional dumping. Mm -hmm.
2: It's essentially a Biological warfare okay. is what we're looking at okay. here. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we're going to say this is an early biological warfare program. Uh, so some things that did come up is that in that region of the world, the potato beetle normally makes its first appearance mid-July, about that. Mm-hmm. These fully grown adults were appearing in May, in mid to late May. So that's a full two months early. Hmm. There also were no signs of larvae. So it was just suddenly we have a bunch of adults scrambling around, which if they were going to go through their life cycle, you would think there would have been signs of larvae in the area.
1: But don't the larvae bury themselves?
2: Well, the larvae first eat the plants oh. and then dig down and hide in the soil to emerge as an adult.
1: Okay, yeah. So mm-hmm.
2: theoretically, there should have been some larva
3: signs. Yeah, okay. But there right. were none. Well, that when the larvae emerged from the soil, they they changed into beetles at this point yes okay yes
2: they, they go through four stages uh the lar the larva i believe is the second stage so there's egg larva there's a third stage pupa, where they don't eat pupa pupate uh, yes yeah.
1: and then How do you say it? yeah pupa pupa Pupae? and then they pupate
2: yeah <laughs> and then there's the fourth stage which is adulthood mm. there uh, are some places though at that time, the potato beetles were showing up where they shouldn't have.
3: Well, don't they always show up where they shouldn't be? <laughs> <laughs>
1: shouldn't they be nowhere?
3: Yeah, really? that's kind of the way I see it.
1: <laughs>
2: Let's see. So in Sweet Cow, the beetles were found in the square in front of the rail station which doesn't have any potatoes. Yeah, well,
3: maybe the Americans place. put them on a train.
2: Maybe. <sighs> At a near a dam in Sosa, they were discovered in bathtubs inside of houses. These are kind of weird places for a beetle that normally would go after a plant to appear
3: yeah but it's Mm. also
1: a weird place to get airdropped into this is very true i mean airdropping into
3: yeah there's that and also you know bugs are kind of stupid that way yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) they do they They can show up in the darkest places i mean it's like uh you know a lot of a lot of this stuff got introduced to europe through just shipments of food from like america etc and then and then between european countries and stuff so if if they're infesting a shipment of food that's being shipped by rail, it wouldn't be that unusual to see one in front of a rail station. That's very plausible. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And that's yeah. the first thing I thought when I saw the rail station. Mm-hmm. But then at this dam, it seemed a little weird that they're crawling around on the firewood and in mm-hmm. the house in the tub. See, but then again, it, it might have been a swarm of them that just moved into the area. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to tell. You never know. The there's not tr- a lot of
3: yeah, concrete the, facts. The here. railroad right. tracks might run right past the house and the dam. I mean, who mm-hmm. you knows? So I'm sure.
2: Here's here's another thing that came up, and I I found this in one place, so I can't say how reliable this is. I love those. But there is information that says that a leaked report from an American investigative committee was discussing the bad tactics and insufficient preparation of the whole – that's an entire potato beetle campaign. And they were criticizing the fact that the spreading of the beetles over the German Democratic Republic had not followed the distribution plan. I
3: mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and this is supposedly an official leaked report. From an American investigative committee from what? From where? I don't
2: know. That's the hard part. I, I couldn't find it anywhere else. Everything I looked for, wouldn't. it didn't surface anywhere else. So I, I don't know how strong that conversation claim is. Mm. Another bit in the Americans did it theory, intentionally did it, is there is information out there about a chemical which is referred to at the time as E838, which was a new pesticide which was being marketed to take care of the potato meal. Uh-huh. so it makes sense according to this theory that what you do is if you want to get the german people under your thumb and you want to make them depend on this pesticide and have to purchase it from you go ahead and introduce the pest then they have no choice but to turn around and buy the product from you to protect their fields and their crops Did they? Mm-hmm. I didn't, didn't see anything. They didn't do that. It did work.
1: Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I, I yeah.
2: Well, no, there there was giant campaigns of pesticides being put onto fields. Mm-hmm. I've watched some of the old propaganda films, and they are driving up and down with tractors and guys using gas and pumping it into the ground and spraying it everywhere. What they're spraying, I have no idea because it doesn't say. Obviously, it's a three-minute propaganda movie.
1: Mm-hmm. It probably made the potatoes really healthy, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, sure. That it very consumable yeah. potato. Yes, yeah. I'm sure it
2: did. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I guess so. that might
1: have been the trick, right? You introduce the beetles to kill off half the supply, and then you get the Germans to poison the rest. Yeah. And you're just you're done.
3: There you go. Like oh, easy.
1: Problem
2: solved. Uh,
3: so, uh, uh, so in other words, in the, in, under the heading of the Americans done it, there's one the American government done it, uh, and another one is that Western capitalist companies did it.
2: Yeah, essentially, yeah. I'm yeah. lumping them all under the Americans, yeah. whether it's the American government or mm. American companies or yeah. corporations. Yeah. I'm kind of just putting it all under that umbrella. That's mm-hmm. fair. You so. can
1: kind of assume that, you know, at that point in time, a big enough American corporation could say, hey, U.S. government, I have this idea.
2: You're going to love this. You're going to love it. Mm. Just then run it with And it could me just be
1: like they're in cahoots at that point.
2: Yeah, which yeah. is easily conceivable mm-hmm. because it, it did happen. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of antitrust oh, yeah. things that came out in, the, in that era. So yeah. very easily could have happened.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the thing about it is is uh, if you really want to push your, your chemical th- your chemical and you really want to make some money, you probably want to do it to a bunch of farmers in a country that actually has some money. And East Germany really didn't have any money. No, so. it it really didn't. But the biggest hole in the whole idea that American warplanes dumped all these beetles is is that like these farmers that discovered all these beetles suddenly in their fields, wouldn't they have also found thousands of tiny little parachutes? <laughs> uh, yeah, because after all, you can't just dump the beetles; they would plummet to their deaths. You are amazing,
2: sir. sir. You're
1: absolutely amazing. That's that's the best mental image I've had all day.
0: (laughs) I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health.
3: So that, that's so, okay. Uh,
2: we're we're gonna, gonna move to, to the here. next theory here. Uh, on on that note, mm-hmm. which is that the Germans did it to themselves.
3: Uh, yeah, and, and and this is the most obvious thing because they're the communist countries. I mean, you don't really need to do any work to get them to have like crop failures and famines. They just kind of do it to themselves.
1: I guess that I uh, yeah, it makes sense to me.
2: Well, here's here's there's there's actually some documentation on mm-hmm. why this could very well be, and I kind of I kind of fall in the same. Campus Joe, I kind of think that part of the problem was that they did it themselves. But yeah, the, I but, think
1: you know you you are in a place where you know your people kind of hate a a place like the United States, but don't totally hate them yet. So maybe you self sabotage a little bit and say, "Look at what these horrible Americans are doing to us."
3: Or more well, likely, more likely to sabotage themselves through sheer incompetence. That's <laughs> <You know>? well, <laughs> let's yeah. roll back and, the clock, though.
2: Let's roll back the clock 10 years. Mm -hmm. This theory, we have to step back in time even farther. So we're going to go to 1940. Germany has invaded France. Mm -hmm. So they take it over. They're investigating anything that they think is important in terms of industry, capital, you name it, research. They want to find out what it is so that they have an idea of what all their allies are up to. Okay. Well, the German military was investigating the Le Bochet research facilities. During that investigation, going through all their paperwork, they found paperwork that was linking intentions of the French and the English to go in together and basically dump potato beetles on Germany to slow down their war effort. If you think about it, you've got a giant war machine. You need tons and tons of food. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. No, no. So obviously the Germans freak out a little bit. They're they're not Mm -hmm. happy about this because this is a problem. So they need to make sure, are we okay? What's going to happen here? As they keep going through the records and they invade more and more France, they keep finding more stuff From this same research facility.
3: Because they they had taken the records elsewhere for safekeeping? Right.
2: Absolutely correct. Um, And those records gave the Germans a pretty clear picture of how a plan to drop the beetle on them could take place. In comes Professor H Clue, who was a uh, a bit of an esteemed researcher, and he somehow managed to get himself in with the military and get himself in charge of a secret program to look into potato beetles
1: that seems like a thing that wasn't so hard at the time i imagine it wasn't <laughs> so hard.
3: yeah
2: like i said uh we've got the professor here and he and other people obviously in charge are monitoring reports of their secret agents so we've got secret agents involved oh. and one of their secret agents who happens to be in England sends back a report uh, and it's dated April 30th, 1942. And it says that the... English have received from the Americans a cargo of 15,000 potato beetles plus an unknown number of Texas ticks. Ah, Surprisingly, the, the Texas ticks just disappear. Nobody hears from them again.
3: They escaped. I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah, they're <laughs> Bora Bora. Yeah, they took over uh,
2: But this... Puts them in a full fledged panic and they start work because they've got to get up to speed. And in 1942, they, the Germans establish the Potato Beetle Defense Service. No,
1: I want you to say that in German. Uh, uh, Joe, are you able to say that one
3: at <laughs> all? Wow. Uh, just think. the long. I just. Ab, I think is how it's pronounced. Okay. Yeah. And
2: they also went ahead Completely. and they set up the P- Potato Beetle Research Institute. Can you yeah. uh, give this in, in the.
3: Uh, Kartafelkafer Forschungs. Institute, uh, yeah. No. <laughs> pardon, pardon my cheesy accent. Well done. Um, yeah, it's anyway. Than I can do yeah. All you know, I, I, I think, I, you know, just as a little aside here, it's, uh, it's actually pretty well known that the British, uh, Intel, British MI5 actually controlled just about all of germany 's agents, if not one hundred percent of them, in World War II, mm-hmm. because what they would do is they would instead of compartmentalizing between agents they 'd send an agent over there and they 'd say hey get in touch with uh, get in touch with agent so and so you know or Frau or whatever the guy 's name is and, or France and get in touch with france and uh, and he 'll help he 'll help you get set up and everything like that and you know, he'll give you some handy handy tips on how to get along in England and everything. And so he'd go get, get, get in touch with France, and France had already been caught and turned by the Brits. And so and so they kept rounding up agents like this, and they essentially controlled the entire German intelligence network inside of England. So it's so very possible that this report was a well, complete total bupkis. Yeah, oh, yeah disinformation, was, yes, yes. Yeah, I
1: was going to say, they, so they, what we're saying here is that the English were like, all right, what's the most outrageous thing we can try and convince mm-hmm. the Germans of right now?
3: Well, you know, I mean, one of the things you do is... You you know, you you try to get them to waste resources. Oh, yeah. If at all possible. Get them to like, you know, instead of. It's them to worry about stuff that you're not even remotely pursuing, you know, and so that they won't defend themselves against the stuff that you actually are pursuing and just get them to waste their time and to waste this, resources. This, is, this is a
2: perfect example yeah. of that because here's what happened. So the Potato Beetle Research Institute and Defense Service, both of them got together and in October 1943, they took over. 40,000 live potato beetles, and they, via a plane, released them over a field in Spire? Is that how you say that? I guess Spire. Spire. The beetles were painted so that they were easier to see so that the troops in the field could find them? Unfortunately, they painted camouflage. <laughs> They managed to recover 100 beetles. Yeah, let's <laughs> see. Uh, they did it again with 14,000 beetles this time, and they only got 57 of them back. <laughs> they then went, okay, well, maybe we should stop using the real thing, and they started using fake wooden beetles, and they didn't do any better. They were recovering the same number of them, in the field of mm. just
1: inanimate painted beetles, Yes. Yeah. they that's couldn't find these things little that aren't wooden
2: convenient. pieces that they just dropped that were painted, <laughs> and they could only find fifty some odd God. out of fourteen
3: thousand. Uh, that's uh, kind of shot, kind of shot themselves in the foot there. Yeah, yeah. although you know, actually, uh, the, the little wooden beetles, it might be that the living beetles tried to mate with them, and so, and so <laughs> you so, might have actually interrupted the breeding cycle. The, yeah.
2: uh, you might. Uh, yeah. No, you don't. Uh, so that uh, that's what the Germans did. So now, why, why is, were
3: they? Why did they release? these beetles what exactly was the point well,
2: they were planning on turning the tides and using them against the British. Uh-huh. Their idea was, well, we'll go ahead, and if you want to do it to us, we're going to do it to you, and we'll just spread them all over England, which obviously they couldn't gauge how well it worked. Mm-hmm. But they still reported in 1943, or excuse me, in 44 to the High Command that they were ready to put out any an operation of a massive potato beetle infestation, and all they needed was to have the word, and they well, would drop them.
1: obviously they were, because even they couldn't find their yeah, I mean beetles. obviously So know. they knew that like the English people weren't gonna be able to find their beetles. Yeah, yeah
3: the only thing, the problem they had with getting them in there is like how are they gonna get them over there? They would have to like well, during a blitzkrieg? Uh,
1: for a couple they, hours on a plane, know. I bet they could survive. The
3: RIF is pretty good at shooting down bombers. I mean, most of their I mean, so it may be possible. Well so they shoot down a game, bomber too.
1: and the bomber crashes and the beetles, <laughs> and all the beetles escape <laughs> from the
3: bomber. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right? That's yeah, the-
3: the yeah, yes.
2: Okay, well, that uh, that is the end of the Germans did it themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: we've got so. Uh, so, what you're saying is that these ones that they released because this happened?
2: I'm yeah, well. To me, it seems like okay. Well, if you've released, we're in these two accounts. Fifty five, basically fifty four thousand Beatles onto your own soil. Mm -hmm. Uh Chances are they're going to get a foothold and they're going to start spreading. And if it's during the war, it may not be noticed. And right after the war, people really aren't reporting what's going on. So if a crop fails, it fails.
1: I guess the other question is, is that um, you said that they, they do that like little hibernation thing. If the weather isn't right or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I guess the other question is what, what kind of weather was happening then because if they dropped all those beetles right people would have noticed those beetles and then if they had all the larva and the larva were in their little like pause period because the conditions weren't good for you know i don't know how long they can survive i don't
2: either to be mm-hmm. honest but you know it, it, if they could survive
1: that. for you know eight years or whatever
2: which i don't I don't know that they'd survive that long but i imagine there would be enough of them around mm-hmm. that no, they'd i mean be they're, all over the place
3: there's still food to eat they would just go through their regular life cycle mm-hmm. just like Always, you know, yeah. kind of so, so... Hard to
2: say, but let's move on to theory number three. Okay. Which is a very simple one. Uh, the Germans didn't have enough pesticides, and they weren't using them. Yeah. Mm. It's a very, very simple theory that post-war, you're broke, you have no money, nobody's giving you much aid in terms of agricultural supplies, so you do what you can, and that's all you can do. Yeah. And if mm. you aren't spreading insecticides on your fields on a regular basis to keep down just all manner of pests, go figure, suddenly they just bounce right back and take over.
3: Mm. Yeah, Pam, you, know, you know, and when you think about it, I mean, something like a factory that pr- that would produce insecticides would be a, a pretty popular wartime target for, yes. the, for allied bombers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so... If they had any pesticide factories at all, it it was probably pretty inadequate in terms of supply.
2: Well, and that's exactly it. So it makes sense that they could have just already been there and normally were controlled with whatever pesticides were used. But Mm. let's move on to our, uh, our last theory here, which is just another case of they accidentally got spread there by people. Yeah. Because we do this all the time. Oh, hell we yeah. We use things everywhere. Uh, like I said before, the beetle had made it to German soil in the late 1880s, and it had been controlled. According to, again, a, a couple of different sites, there are reports that at a U.S. military base in Bordeaux, the P- Colorado potato beetle began to infect the area, I'm guessing because, as you said earlier, Joe, they came in on foodstuffs Uh and then just got loose and got a foothold. And according to these reports, they then spread uh, during World War II. They went to Belgium, the Netherlands, and Spain, which all kind of are right near Germany, so it makes sense that they naturally would have just progressed into that country because they don't really care where the border is all they care about is where the food is.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask if there's any kind of record of big wind storms or anything like that happening around this time if that you know the beetles were just trying to fly to another field or something and got Blown by a big gust of wind. Or, kind of
3: like the Wizard of Oz. Kind of. of like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. A, we're not in we'll, we'll,
1: Kansas anymore. Yeah. Oh my God, we're not in Spain anymore.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> no, weather here
1: sucks. I don't know if a bit, you know, because they do, I assume they fly. Yes.
2: They're a beetle, so they can fly. So
1: I don't know how they travel from one field to another. I, I, I would, would imagine assume that they fly. they would fly. And if they, I don't know how far they travel or anything like that, but, you know, that could help explain why they, people weren't seeing signs of larva or eggs or anything like that, just full-form beetles. Mm. I think we've talked
2: about in other stories in the past about there's a giant windstorm and it sucks yep. everything up yep. and carts it 50 or 100 miles and yep. then just boop. Drops now, it all. Yeah.
3: Well the other thing is that um you know, let's recall the Germans dumped fifty four thousand of these things yes. onto a field and we're hardly able to find any of them. Which means yeah. these things could be like spreading all throughout your your fields and your whole region mm-hmm. and until that it reached a certain point of you would density, not you yeah. would not even notice. Yeah. And so they apparently I mean, these little guys are hard to see, even yeah. when they've been painted.
2: Yeah. yeah. So that I mean that's exactly right. So it's it's one of those stories that there's all kinds of ways. I personally think that There's no one theory that's right. Mm -hmm. I don't think that the U.S. did it intentionally. Yeah. I don't think the Germans did it all on their own. Mm -hmm. I think that it's everybody involved in this story is probably a little guilty. Yeah. But we don't know exactly what caused
3: it. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to look for, like, historical precedent, uh, usually, you know, Governments that are incompetent uh, you know and they and they have things like fail, you know crop failures and famine, they want to blame somebody else oh of you know? so of course the East Germans want you to want stay in power. The West. yeah yeah, so so uh, that's kind of my thinking yeah I think and, and thinking. i
2: think you were you were saying before uh when we were talking about this previously before we started recording is that berlin is is in East Germany, right uh-huh. so there's going to be airplanes. That are from the U.S. All the time. Flying all the time.
3: All the time, yeah. So
2: it's not the, uh, as if this was an uncommon thing to have U.S. planes going overhead.
3: I mean, I'm sure that American and British and French planes were flying from all points of the compass, or at least from the West. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, West Germany kind of in, semi-encircles East Germany, or did. It's not, not anymore. And then with Berlin right here and smack in the middle. So you could have, have planes approaching from the southwest, the northwest, the west, and all. Well, all, and everywhere the Berlin Wall
2: didn't go up for another 10 years. so yeah, know there could yeah. be planes that were coming from the other direction, too, before it became a no-fly zone.
3: Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, and... So and I don't really see the motive right right you know to be honest with you for us to do that because especially especially given that I mean, this is post war it wasn't definitively established that diver- that Germany was going to be sort of semi permanently divided at mm-hmm. this point in time it was still a state of tension between the Soviets and the allies and forces and it still it still hadn't really crystallized into the form that it finally took with the building of the wall 10 years later and then then many, many more years of oppression in Germany and all that. That and But it wasn't set in stone as of of 1950. And plus, Europe was still recovering from the war. And so the idea of deliberately, and there was already been a lot of food shortages and famines in in Europe Mm -hmm. because of the war. And so the idea that we would want to go out there and just, you know, Make things worse. Well,
2: doesn't we, make a lot of sense. We, kinda, we were,
3: we were kind of trying to, like, you know, get the continent to recover. You know? yeah. mm-hmm. So that's one, and yet another reason why I think it was probably just it happened, and these Germans just didn't want to shoulder any of the blame themselves. So, yep, point yeah. the finger at the Yanks.
2: Indeed. Yeah. Well, that having been said, that's the end of our theories. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, as always, we're going to go ahead and put up some of the links to this story on our website. So if you want to check them out, you're more than welcome to. That website is... Thinkingsidewayspodcast.com We're always looking to hear from our listeners, so if you've got some thoughts on the story that you want to share or you disagree with uh, uh, something that we said, let us know. We or appreciate if you are, that.
3: If you are a uh, East German potato beetle, uh, we want to hear from you. <laughs>
2: yes, indeed. You can always go ahead and send us an email. That email address is Thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com We
1: actually have some listener mail. We do. We
3: do. That's yeah. right. Well, actually, well, we get thousands a week. Did did one of them stand out?
1: Yeah, this one was really great. Um... I I liked it a lot. So I thought I'd share it with our listeners. Yeah. So it's from a woman by the name of Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie. Um, And it just says, hello. I came across your show recently after about a year of hoping a podcast like yours would pop up somewhere on the internet. I like your whole vibe of presenting known information about mysteries accurately and trying to make educated guesses about what happened. I also end up cracking up a lot during your shows. And then she gives us some suggestions of shows that Stephanie... I want to assure you, we're definitely going to take on mm. m- in the future. I don't know about near future. I, but uh, I
2: remember looking at those recently when the ones that she had suggested. So yeah. those were good suggestions. Yeah, mm. so we're
1: we love to hear from you guys about. How much you love us?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um,
2: well, I'm just glad somebody else is laughing at our jokes. Yeah, me Obviously, too. Obviously, we're 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 not that funny, but at least we're, we're we we're, think we're, we're funny. funny. Yeah, we, <laughs> we're hilarious.
3: Well, yeah, we fooled somebody anyway. That's the that's the story ideas, and uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll get right on that. Well, Very cool. Well, email aside, what yes. else do our listeners need to know?
2: Well, they can always listen to our show. That's that's a real key to a being podcast. a listener. Yeah. Yeah. yes, being a listener uh, <laughs> now. Our website always has the podcast on it. You can always stream it right through there. We're also on iTunes, so you can download. Or if you want, we are also on Stitcher. So if you want to use your mobile phone and go ahead and stream it right there. Another option for you. We always make it
3: available.
1: If you do iTunes or Stitcher, please feel free to leave us a rating or a comment. A good rating. Or a review. I yeah. mean, you know, if you well, like I, us, leave out? us a good. I'm yeah. not going to say leave us a good review, but leave <laughs>
2: yeah. us a good leave review a, if you like us. Leave a
3: review. We you like know. to hear from you folks. Yeah.
2: Uh, so that having been said, uh, I think uh, I think it's time to roll this one up. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, look forward to talking to you next week.
3: So long, everybody.
1: See ya. <laughs>